This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church, and welcome to part two of our three-part series here that we're doing on moral revolution. In part one, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, pop back and listen to that. We talked about the foundations of where the morals of a culture or people come from, and in particular, drew out using Glenn Shrivener's book, The Air We Breathe, how the basic moral assumptions of the Western world and of America in particular are are based on and built on a distinctly Christian foundation. Without Christianity, you won't come to the idea that all people are created equal, that freedom and kindness and progress and science should be happening. In fact, those values have Christian foundations. But this brings us kind of to the question of part two, which is, why do we see some of those traditional Christian values then eroding in the West? You could think particularly of even the rise of the change in sexual ethics, where what was once just absolutely clear that marriage was to be between a man and a woman, now actually in American culture, that value has been cast by the wayside. Why is it that we see some of those foundational values that we before kind of assumed to be present in America beginning to shift so significantly? Well, what we're going to talk about today is the one of the factors. It's not the only one, but it's certainly a major one, which is the disappearance of nominal Christianity. Okay, and I want to suggest that almost all of the major cultural shifts in America wouldn't, in, in the moral realm, wouldn't be able to happen without the lessening of the hold of nominal Christianity. So before we go further, let's just kind of define nominal Christianity really quickly. Nominal simply means name only. So name only Christians. The the idea here is a person who, if they were given, for instance, a social survey and had a box to check that said, are you a Christian or an atheist or a Buddhist? This, this The nominal Christian would check the box, I'm a Christian. They wouldn't do so because they had a deep personal relationship with Christ by faith. They would do so because their family grew up as Christian. Or, well, I'm not an atheist, or I think there is a God. And so, these are not like deeply committed, identified, Bible-believing Christians. A nominal Christian is a person who claims the name of Jesus, but isn't really following him. These are uh, people who say, yeah, I go to that church, but they only really show up on Christmas and Easter. And they, they might even be considered church goers, but they're not committed Christians in their livelihood. Now, if we were to go back in the history of America, you go back to the earliest foundings, a gigantic percentage of the population would have been attending church services every single week. I mean, easily above 75%. An incredible percentage of the population were going to church. They were church goers. However, what percent of that was truly converted and born again? Well, you know, many of the pastors of that time, this is why they were so important uh, in drawing attention to awakening or revival. The revival happening within the church is because their pews were full of people with dead hearts but good church attendance. In other words, nominal Christianity was normal throughout the early part of American life, but 
even up into the present day, nominal Christianity, or even just the idea that you went to church regularly prior to, uh, let's say, 1960 for sure, it was assumed that people went to church in huge percentages. However, recently, we have begun to hit kind of a demographic clip here. We're beginning to see what uh, sociologists will call the rise of the nuns. And that's not N-U-N, like, you know, lady nuns of Roman Catholic tradition. No, nuns, N-O-N-E-S. That is the rise of people who now, when given a religious survey, check the box of none. I have no religious affiliation. And as the nuns are rising, no religious affiliation, what is plummeting are people who check the box saying, I have a Christian affiliation. Recently, even I, I reflected a little bit on Ross Duthat's um, book, Nation of Heretics, on one of our podcasts, and just pointed out that those trends don't sound very good for Christianity. If you look at the latest Pew Research, what they're suggesting is that um, by within this generation, almost definitely you will see, apart from a work of God or some other radical change, you will see far under 50% of people now checking, I would consider myself a Christian. That is a gigantic shift. It's hard for me to put into um, explanation how large of a shift this is, because if you were to go back 50 years, those numbers would be extraordinarily high. Way, way over 50% of people would check the box saying, I'm a Christian. And now we're seeing huge regions of the country where well under that are checking it. That means what has disappearing... And this is important to note. The research will bear this out. What's disappearing is the mainline Protestant denominations that have given in to theological progressivism and liberalism. Denominations that used to have churches where they preach the gospel, but they have long since abandoned uh, the claims of the good news of Jesus. Those churches are plummeting in attendance, catastrophically plummeting. But also, what is plummeting is the people, the number of people who would consider themselves quote-unquote nominally Christian. People with a strong Bible-believing evangelical background, those numbers are holding steady in a small minority. However, it's the people who once would have claimed themselves as Christian, but now are content to just say, well, I'm kind of nothing. You know, maybe Jesus is there, but it's not a big thing to me. That percentage of people who would have checked the box as nominally Christian is dropped. Okay, now, at one level, as a pastor, as a preacher of the gospel, I'm actually somewhat glad for that. Now, let me explain. I'm glad for that because the problem with people before who checked the box of saying, I'm a Christian, but who had no understanding of what it meant to be born again was you first had to spend a whole bunch of time convincing them that they weren't a believer, right? You had to spend all this time saying, listen, you're not really a believer. And it caused a whole, it was really difficult. People were saying, no, I am a Christian. I am. And you're like, well, do you understand what it means to really repent of your sins? So having people who simply will just come right out and say, no, I'm not a believer, well, it's a little easier to explain the good news of Jesus, why they're lost, because they think they're lost. Okay, so that's, I think that's generally a good thing. It's a good thing when God makes it clear to people that they're lost, because the worst thing in the world, you know, is to die of a disease that you thought you were cured of. So, 
in one sense, it makes it easier to identify who's in and who's out in terms of following Jesus. But on a overall standpoint, in America or in the West, one of the major results of this loss of name-only Christianity is the loss of a moral consensus that they used to follow. Okay, let's, let's explain a bit of this here. Um, since the foundation of America, we're just going to use an American lens, we have generally had a large percentage of our population that would have checked the box saying they were Christian. Um, Alan Gelzo, in his great lecture series, he's an incredible esteemed historian, will make this point saying, America may not have been a Christian nation, but it certainly was a nation of Christians. Okay, It wasn't written to be an explicit theocracy, but it certainly was that the vast majority of people who immigrated shared an underlying Judeo-Christian moral framework. They didn't want a state-driven church. They didn't want the church, the uh, the uh, government being able to tell them the way they had to worship. But the early consensus in early America was that while they didn't want a state church, they certainly shared a similar moral foundation. It's why things like the self-evident truths endowed by their creator could be written into America's moral framework. And that general, we can call it the Christian consensus— even if these people in the pews were not born-again followers of Jesus, they thought that probably the Ten Commandments was a good way, rule of life, and that you should hold to those moral standards, that there were such things as right and wrong, and that God had something to say about what was right and what was wrong. That meant there was a background of moral foundation that held firm, and it held in America for hundreds of years. It was imperfectly lived out, clearly. Think of the horrors of the slave trade, the Civil War, the Civil Rights Movement are just examples of ways that we had signed a promissory note, to quote Dr. King, that wasn't fulfilled for many people in our democracy. So while imperfectly lived out, America had a set of moral foundational beliefs that were assumed and held solid. And when America failed, we were judged by our failure to live up to a set of standards of morality that were clear. And here's the deal, guys. At that point, even if you weren't a born-again Christian, reading your Bible regularly, following Jesus as Lord, you probably had a church you went to fairly commonly, and you thought the moral teaching of that church was generally right. So the drop in church attendance in America, the drop, the loss of what I'm calling nominal Christianity, what's happening now isn't really just a bad thing for Christianity. It represents a major factor in what is contributing to the major moral shift that is ongoing in the West. If people continued to claim Christianity, even if they didn't want to follow Christ— What they didn't lose was the basic moral foundation that was there of right and wrong. So many of the moral changes that we see happening in the world around us could not be happening without this loss of general Christian consensus. Let's just take, for instance, kind of the rise of the LGBTQ movement in America. I pointed out, not because I want to major on this over and over and over, but because this represents the shift And people's thinking about, for instance, should gay marriage be legal? If we were to go back several decades, 
the answer would overwhelmingly be no, because there was a common moral consensus based off of a common Christian framework. As that common moral consensus of Christianity has eroded, and as there was more pressure to say actually empathy and kindness would look like accepting everybody no matter what, well, guess what happens? The moral foundation can move quickly because there's not the firewall that's backing it up. The rise in popularity of gay marriage in America is the fastest moral shift on record in any category that we've seen. And to be frank with you, it's probably the fastest moral shift like that that's happened in human history. We, we went from seeing a vast majority that would say, no, that's not acceptable, to now seeing a vast majority saying, yes, it is acceptable. And even the vast majority today saying, not only is it acceptable and applaudable, anybody who doesn't think it's acceptable and applaudable is bigoted and wrong. That shift happened like lightning, like lightning in terms of its speed and in terms of its depth in American and Western culture. How in the world can you change a moral foundation that quickly? Something that's held not just for a few years, but that's held as a consensus in the Western world, not even just in the Western world, just in the world in general, for millennia. How does it change in the span of a decade, two decades? Well, at least part of the answer in America is the decline of the virtues of nominal Christianity. Now, is that going to turn around? Let's just ask that question quickly. Is there any hope of this turning around? Well, there's always hope in Christianity. I mean, if you think about it, friends, the whole foundation of what we believe is that a, a man, Jesus, died. He was put to death by the powerful which should have certainly been the end of the Jesus movement. It, that, it, there is nothing more hopeless than the crucifixion of a leader. And he rose from the dead. So as a Christian, if I believe actually that our whole movement of Christianity is starting with a death raising, then certainly I don't think that it's hopeless in America or in the West. I mean, I just got done seeing the Salt Company Conference, and we've seen hundreds, oh, well over a thousand saved in the past couple years on college campuses from our own salt companies. That should fill us all with a little bit of hope. But on a demographic level, it's important to realize that what we are seeing happening in the various salt company ministries, what we're seeing happening on multiple college campuses across America right now, would have to happen at an astronomically larger scale to turn around the disappearance of nominal Christianity. Uh, to, to get a, let's, let's just ask a question, think about it as kind of a mental exercise. What would it take to move, for instance, people surveying saying, I, I consider myself a cr Christian and I attend church regularly from like 40, 45% where it would be pretty commonly today to 65%. Well, if you're talking about a survey, you know, that represents 300 million people, that would be a movement of 60 million people. That, we need far more than a thousand college students coming to faith in Christ to make that happen. Because these sort of shifts, remember, we've been using this analogy throughout our multi-part series on moral foundations, that moral foundations, the way it works, uh, 
It's a lot like a boulder that gets to rolling. It can take a lot of work to push a boulder up a hill, but once it starts to move, it has quite a bit of momentum. And right now, there's quite a bit of momentum in the West away from Christianity. Now, I don't think that's hopeless. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But I do think we need to be very honest as Christians with some of what that means. It means, Christians, you can't assume that you're in the dominant moral position anymore. For a couple hundred years, Christianity enjoyed a privileged place in America. If America wasn't a Christian nation, it was a nation of Christians. And so as such, you could assume that Christian values and Christian virtues would generally be prized and sought after. Now, many of the values that you hold as Christians, you will be uh, feeling a bit more like perhaps Daniel and his patriots would have in exile in Babylon. We're going to need to learn as Christians how to live not as the people who hold power, but as the people whose power is of a different king, a different kingdom, and a different world. We're going to have to resist the temptation and the loss of nominal Christianity to have to scrap back power through political means, which will be a fool's gold, church. It will be a fool's gold. You cannot achieve the, the uh, transformation of God's kingdom through political apparatus. It doesn't work. We can't just legislate back a loss of value. What we have to do, because why? Because political power is downstream of cultural change. It's not upstream. Sometimes people get that wrong. They think politics is the headwaters that drives moral change. No, politicians are reactors. They're reacting to changes that are already present in their constituents. And so my answer, church, is not to try to get politics to take the power back, but that we have to begin in our cities and in our towns to begin to make the case for why Christianity is good and beautiful and right. We need to preach the gospel. We need to live countercultural lives. We need to study the faithfulness of the Jewish people in exile, how they held true to Christ while still doing good to the city in which they lived. We're going to have to work very hard, friends, with the disappearance of the consensus of American Christian value. Frankly, you're going to have to educate your kids in your home in a different way than you had to 40 years ago. I'm not necessarily commenting on uh, the school district that you enroll in. I'm saying, moms and dads, you cannot assume your child's public school teacher is instilling Christian foundations in them. That's your job. You must disciple your children. We need to, we're going to have to disciple our churches at a different depth of level as well, friends. We won't be able to assume that people who walk in our doors have grown up hearing the stories of Jesus. If anything, what we're seeing among college students says they haven't heard it at all. We're, we're going to have to assume with the disappearance of nominal Christianity that we don't have Bible-familiar people at all in our churches and in our pews. We're going to have to start with foundational instruction in the gospel. We're going to have to teach people what the books of the Bible are. We're going to have to do very, very foundational uh, teaching on Christianity. Why? Because you can't assume that the person you're talking to in America has any sort of nominal Christian foundation in their understanding of the world or in their moral foundations. That's not the only factor, but it's a major factor in the moral revolution that we see happening today. 
is the giant shift in nominal Christianity happening in the West. So, just a quick review, and then where we're headed next time. Remember, part one, if you haven't listened to it, go back. We talked about where cultural morality came from, and we made the argument that without Christian foundations, you couldn't construct the basic moral assumptions of the Western world that we are living in. But now we feel those foundations beginning to waver and shake for the first time. Why is that happening? Well, because we are living in the midst of a giant change, where before, in American history, you could have assumed the Christian foundations that a person held. Now, we cannot. There's a disappearance of nominal and liberal Christianity that is contributing to the rapid moral decline of the West. So, part three, we're looking forward. Last last in our three-part series will be the next podcast. We talk, again, looking at this moral foundation about what are some of the critical factors for faithfulness for the church in this strange new world in which we live. What will it look like to be faithful to Jesus? That's our question for next time. Thanks for joining us again on the Equip Podcast.